1: At a time when we are all pulling together to fight coronavirus, COVID-19, I have something for you. An all-free e-chapter on coronavirus crimes and how to fight them. Don't be a coronavirus crime victim. From door-to-door sales, of fake cures and tests, vaccines, that's not real to robocalls that are trying to scam you, to fake ads, to phishing you online, to fake cures that are being sold on the Internet and on infomercials right now. You've got to arm yourself against these crimes. Please download our free e-chapter, Coronavirus Crimes, Don't Be a Victim. Go to CrimeOnline.com. You'll see it there. Hit the link and download it for free. Arm yourself against criminals and scam artists. Cons that will not only take advantage of you, but take advantage of you, your parents, your grandparents, and people you love at a time when we are all fighting the virus. I hope you go to CrimeOnline.com and download this. It's been highly researched and presented for you for free. Goodbye, friend. Keep the faith. How does a football star, a an honor student, a double major in business and engineering turn out to be the most wanted man? Known all across the country, not for his football uh, plays on the field or his straight A's, but for murder. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Let's kick it off with our friend John Limley, Crime
2: Online. Friday, May 22nd, Memorial Day weekend is about to begin. But just before 9 a.m., a neighbor notices a man standing at the end of Ted Demers' driveway. Suspicious, the neighbor sends the 62-year-old self-employed woodworker a text. It's a message that he would never receive. Around 9.01 a.m., Connecticut State Police are called to a reported disturbance on Myrtle Road in Willington. When troopers arrive at 9.08, they find Ted Demers dead and another man hurt. Demers' wife of 42 years, Cynthia, tells the Hartford Current that her husband offers to help a young man who's walking. The man says his motorcycle is down the road, and Demers offers him a ride back. About five minutes later, a neighbor alerts Cynthia Demers, and she finds her husband lying on the ground with obvious injuries. The coroner's report notes Demers' cause of death, sharp force and chop injuries of head with sharp force injuries of torso and extremities. A 62-year-old woodworker is found hacked dead. Uh,
1: chop injuries to the head, sharp force injuries to the torso and the extremities. Theodore Demers is dead. Joining me, an all-star panel. Of course, we're talking about 23-year-old UConn student Peter Manfredonia with me. Ashley Wilcott, judge and trial lawyer, Anchor Court TV. You can find her at ashleywilcott.com. Dr. Bethany Marshall, renowned psychoanalyst. Joining me out of Beverly Hills at Dr. Bethany Marshall.com, Cloyd Steiger, 36 years, Seattle PD, 22 homicide, and author of Seattle's Forgotten Serial Killer, Gary Jean Grant, CloydSteiger.com, Professor of Forensics, Jacksonville State University, Death Investigator, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, Joseph Scott Morgan. But first, to Levi Page, CrimeOnline.com, investigative reporter, Levi, take a listen to what our friends at WFSB3, Constate Police Presser, says.
3: Friday, May 22nd, at 9.01 a.m., State Police Troop C in Tolland were dispatched via 911 of a report of a disturbance on Myrtle Road in the town of Willington. At 9.08 a.m., troopers arrived and located two injured men on the roadway. 62 year old Theodore Demers was pronounced deceased while being transported to the hospital. The second victim was transported to an area hospital and is currently in stable condition. Detectives responded to the crime scene and began investigating and speaking to witnesses. You're
1: hearing our friends at WFSB three, Con State Police. So we learned that it wasn't just Theodore Demers that was hacked with a sword or a machete. An 86 year old neighbor comes to help Demers to Levi Page. Uh, Demers, of course, dead, but the 86 year old neighbor ends up in critical
0: condition, near death, in the hospital. What happened? You're right, Nancy. It's 9 a.m., May 22nd, and Connecticut State Police responded to a disturbance. It's on Myrtle Road in Wilmington, Connecticut, and Theodore Demers, he's 62 years old. He was found dead, and another man was taken to the hospital after they were taken hostage and hacked with a machete. Whoa, wait, 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 wait,
1: wait. Taken hostage and hacked with a machete. It's my understanding that Theodore Demers, Ted Demers' wife, says Demers was being a Good Samaritan, that a guy Important. walked up needing a ride to his motorcycle or a ride in general wearing a motorcycle helmet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ashley Wilcott, judge and trial lawyer, I will never forget the first time I heard uh, somebody going on a rampage. They walked into, it was either a Rich's or a Macy's to get return credits, and they were wearing a motorcycle helmet inside the store. Now, we all know about mask laws uh, uh, up until COVID anyway, where that was a, a violation of an ordinance in itself. But this guy walks up with a motorcycle helmet on, saying he needs trouble, and Demers offers to help. That was his big crime, Ashley. Yeah, it was a good Samaritan, right? And which
4: of us honestly wouldn't. You may think, oh, he was on his motorcycle, he has his helmet on, he needs help. And most people are trusting Nancy, maybe not me because of what I do for a living, but many people are, so they thought innocently, let's help this
1: guy, and look what happened to him. You know, I just I just hate it. So uh, I understand, Levi Page, that Demers gives the perp a ride, and somehow everything goes <laughs> sideways, and he ends up getting hacked
0: dead. With what? A machete. He was hacked with a machete, Nancy. And you're right. The attacker was walking down the street. He had his helmet on. He said his motorcycle had broken down. He said, I know some of your neighbors. That made Theodore uh, Demers uh, trust him. Uh, <laughs> Uh, And he gave him a ride to the motorcycle. Wait, wait.
1: He said, I know X, which was a young female neighbor of Ted Demers and his wife. Now, what can you tell me about the young female that this guy claims he knows?
0: So apparently he had been acting very strange towards this female. You mean stalking? Let's just call it what it is. Stalking. Um, yeah he showed up Levi her page many times
1: Just so you know in your dating future don't go to a woman's house when she says "Don't come to my house. That's called stalking. not that I think you would do oh. that Levi of course but he didn't just <laughs> know her. This young woman was considering taking out a TRO temporary restraining order against Peter Manfredonia. Correct? You are correct, Nancy. And so there he is, you know, uh, to you, Dr. Bethany Marshall, people have asked, why is Manfredonia in the neighborhood? Did he single out Ted Demers to hack him dead with a machete? He was there with a machete hidden in his rucksack backpack, walking toward the woman's house. That's where he was going. People say, why? Well, nothing good when a guy's walking to your house with a machete. That's not good. Nancy and
5: have you seen his picture? He's actually a very nice looking young man. I don't think so. A student? Oh, I do. He 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 just looks fresh faced. He looks innocent well, and yet I the agree fact is that. he was preoccupied with this woman and he was stalking her and what I'm wondering is what is the na- the relationship between the neighbor he hacked to death? And the stalking victim, like, did he imagine that the neighbor had some special or kind relationship with the victim or had befriended the victim or was standing in the way of love um, between, you know, getting in the way between him and the victim? Like, what, how did he turn all of the rage towards the woman he was stalking? against this innocent neighbor who is trying to help him. That's what I would like to understand.
1: Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being
6: Crime Stories with Nancy
1: Grace. Guys, we are talking about a UConn student who somehow goes from being a double major in business and engineering, a football star. I was just making notes about where he, it was a Nighthawk. He was a Nighthawk football star, and I actually managed to pull up some video of him out on the field, and he, honor student, goes to UConn, makes great grades, and I got to agree with Dr. Bethany Marshall on this, he looks fresh-faced. I can't look at him and see him as attractive the way Bethany apparently can because I know too much. But he does look young and fresh-faced. How did all that go right down the crapper? That's a technical legal phrase, Jackie. But now he's wanted all across the country. Um, I want to go to Justice Scott Morgan, professor of forensics Jacksonville State University and author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, It's my understanding, so Demers gives him a ride, and I think that somewhere along the ride, Demers figures out who he is. He says, hey, you know, what are you doing in our neighborhood? Where are you headed? What's going on? Where are you from? And he knows the neighbor girl is considering a TRO and he puts two and two together, and he ends up dead. Tell me this. I don't normally think of somebody carrying a machete in their backpack. What would those injuries look like to the medical examiner? Uh, not a stab wound, but but like what?
7: Yeah, yeah, these are referred to generally in overall terms, we refer to these as sharp force injuries, specifically hacking style injuries, Nancy. Okay, uh, Joe Scott, yeah.
1: I, I, I don't yes, like interrupting, contrary to what many people think, but Uh i already know it would be hacking injuries okay and Uh i'm the jd okay you're the death investigator tell me something i don't know
7: well you know if we if we think about the way an axe hits a piece of wood for instance uh this is going to be rather brutal think about the construction we're talking about an instrument called a machete it has a spine and it's a single edge so it has the spine that's kind of weighted on the top side and then the blade is lower. This is made specifically for chopping. That's our key word here, Nancy. And it covers a lot of surface space. These things are generally about 24 inches in length. You could fit it into a backpack, but more than likely, the handle's literally gonna be hanging out. When you take this thing out, and you put it before a victim and you show it to him. it would send a chill up your spine. I can only imagine this poor man. He has to be within arm's distance of this fellow, uh, striking distance, if you will most of the time in these machete attacks that I've seen, you're gonna have multiple strikes all over the body. And Nancy, it doesn't just chop through, say for instance, uh, uh, the, the vessels themselves, the blood vessels in the body where you're gonna bleed a lot. It also has the ability because it's got this weighted backside or spine to crush bone as well. So it's a very painful event uh, that the victim is going through and there will be multiple of these.
1: Just trying to take in because you kind of uh, got my attention when you said it's more akin to an axe attack. And you keep talking about the weighted spine. And with the additional weight in a machete, it's not like a knife in that it can actually break your bones. I I hadn't thought of it like that. I mean, Cloyd Steiger, 36 years, Seattle PD, 22, homicide. You ever seen a machete attack?
7: You know, I
8: probably
1: have.
7: I haven't seen an, um, a murder by one. I've had I've had plenty of axe murders or hatchet murders, but uh, there that's a brutal attack, like uh, Joe Scott was saying, and and uh, a lot of blood, a lot of injuries. Yeah, and, uh, you're right,
1: Claude. You don't see yeah. a machete murder every day, and when I hear that, Doctor Bethany Marshall, it's a shock. Not that every other murder is not shocking and upsetting. But you just don't see machete murders every day. I mean, Jack, have you ever... No, okay. None of us. And I've prosecuted for so many years and covered so many cases. That's not your typical murder, as if any murder is typical. But what do you make of a mindset where somebody sticks a machete in their rucksack and goes goes on their way? I mean what is
5: Nancy, that when i read uh, when i read this story this is a little tangential but i grew up in africa central west africa my parents were missionaries and so machetes were commonly used there to you know hack your way through the forest or when there were tribal wars people would hack each other up with machetes machete was a tool of war in that part of the world so When I read this article and I I saw that here in the United States somebody tried to hack or did hack somebody up with a machete, my thought was it's so primitive. It's so, when we have access to guns and knives and um, all kinds of um, instruments to maim and harm, this young man uses a machete and it makes me wonder, you know, if he was in some kind of a mindset, maybe in, in a psychotic episode. Oh, don't start, um, thinking- Bethany.
1: <laughs> I mean, every time there's a murder, you start talking about their mental illness. We don't know that. I know it's been bandied about that he had depression, that he yes. had anxiety. I mean, does anybody not have depression and anxiety? I get depressed well, every time I read a murder case, and I'm anxious all the time because I think the kids, are, the children, are going to get kidnapped. My point is, I know that's a trite approach to serious depression and serious anxiety, but I'm coming from the point of depression and anxiety do not equal
5: insanity under the law. Well, what, what I was thinking, not so much that depression or anxiety would cause them to kill somebody, because uh, obviously, people who are depressed do not have the energy to even get themselves out of bed. So, and people who are anxious are always afraid of getting into trouble. So, people with depression and anxiety are generally the last people on the face of the planet who are going to be homicidal. I think what I was pointing that's a really to good is point. why the choice. I had not thought that. Yeah, they don't have the that. energy. Okay. Yeah, I had what thought I of that. i was wondering but, right. the choice of the weapon. That's what I was pointing to. Is that this guy who is seemingly so high functioning that he's a double major becomes so low functioning that he rummages around someone's tool shed and gets a machete that's what i'm wondering the the difference between his intellect the fact that he's a student and he grabs something that takes such a huge amount of force in order to murder another person and what that says to me is that he did not just set out to kill, he set out to destroy, to maim and to disfigure, which is often what we see with stalkers, that they want to destroy the beauty and the attractiveness of the victim. Um, Maybe he wanted to chop her head or her face or her hands so that she would no longer be attractive in society and then this poor neighbor somehow got caught up in this and got in the way. And, of
1: course, there's something, there's a whole uh, another mindset to a knife or a blade attack, which this is, more akin to an axe attack, as Joseph Scott Morgan has pointed out, because you're not standing at a distance firing like you're playing a video machine. You are up close and personal. The blood sp- spatters on you. You feel the bone crunch. You're wielding the machete It's a whole nother animal, but he didn't stop there. Take a listen to our friends at WFSB3, Connecticut State
3: Police. On Sunday, May 24th, at 6.43 a.m., Derby Police Department received a call reporting of an abandoned vehicle that appeared to have been involved in a motor vehicle accident. At 6.58 a.m., Troop C. and Tolland received a call from Derby Police Department Reporting that the abandoned vehicle was registered in the town of Willington, which was close to the initial homicide on Friday, May 22nd. Troopers responded to the vehicle owner's address to conduct a well being check. Upon arrival, they learned the suspect had committed a home invasion Sunday morning and stole multiple firearms with the homeowner's vehicle, which was located in the area of Osborne Dale State Park in Derby. At 7.34 a.m., multiple agencies responded to the Osborne Dale Park area and began an extensive search for the suspect.
1: Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air.
6: That's trinityschool.org.
1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. We're talking about a 23-year-old honor student out of UConn, double major, business and engineering. Football star with the Nighthawks in high school, coincidentally living in the same neighborhood as Sandy Hook shooter Adam Lanza. We're talking about Peter Manfredonia who then goes on the run. Now, what we're hearing right there, Levi Page, is that he leaves Willington, Connecticut area where the first incident take place took place, took place where Demers is murdered with Machete. The neighbor ends up 86-year-old guy. That's a whole other mindset right there, attacking the elderly. I mean when i look at my mom struggling she's about to turn 89 struggling to walk struggling to sit up the thought of hurting her and she's so fragile What mindset is it that you attack an 86-year-old man with a machete? He's in serious condition right now. But then Manfredonia moves on. He moves on from the Demers attack to Derby, Connecticut, nearby. And we find out, uh, Levi Page, that there seems to be a home invasion where the car, three long guns, a pistol,
0: and food are taken. Tell me about that. Yes. Yeah, so Nancy, he went from he went to Derby, Connecticut, which was about 60 miles away from the first attacks, and that is where he stole, invaded a home, stole guns, ammunition, and food.
1: You know, I just thought of something, Ashley Wilcott. Nobody's uh, considered this. We don't hear very much about that second home invasion because we go from the the. Female object of desire and her not having a TRO, demurge death. Then we skip to the next violent crime victims. But that home invasion right there, Ashley, how did he know? Did he know these people? Because he knows, does he know he can go in there and find guns? It seems like a very calculated home invasion, Ashley, You know, it does on one hand to me because of the gun
4: piece. But on the other hand, Nancy, for him to start all of this with a machete, which is, I would argue, an instrument of opportunity, right? Most of us don't go out and know where to get a machete. I then think I'm not convinced he was that deliberate. I think he did anything and everything he wanted to do. And he wanted to go in this home invasion, and they happen to have guns. I,
1: I can't. Could that's be. more of what I think has happened. Well, as a matter of fact, his crime spree, this honor student, heads on. Take a listen to
3: WFSB 3. Various assets were deployed to include additional patrol troopers, aviation support, multiple K nine teams, our drone unit, tactical teams, negotiators, and detectives. At 8:53 a.m., a reverse 911 call was sent out to alert residents of the situation. At 9:51, state police notified the public via statewide social media that the suspect may be in Derby and believed to be armed with multiple firearms. At 11:04 a.m., Derby police received a 911 call requesting a well-being well-being check for an individual on Roosevelt Drive. Upon checking the home, Nicholas Isley was found deceased. A 2016 black Volkswagen Jetta was taken from that Roosevelt, resident, Roosevelt Drive residence, and it was also discovered an individual was abducted, abducted from the residence.
1: That's our friend Christine Jiltemma speaking with WFSB 3. Now we have the second homicide victim. You've got one 86-year-old in the hospital whose life is hanging by a thread. And now a young female has been abducted, Isley's girlfriend. Take a listen now to
2: John Limley, Crime Online. Around 5.30 a.m. on Sunday, May 24th, the day before Memorial Day, Nick Isley's downstairs neighbors are awakened by loud noises. Their ceiling shakes as if someone has been slammed on the floor. Then there's a loud bang, the sound of a girl screaming, and two people arguing. It all lasts about five or six minutes, then stops. The downstairs neighbors say they consider calling police, but decide it was just an argument and go back to sleep. But someone else had heard the commotion and calls 911. When Connecticut State Police arrived at the couple's apartment, they found Nick dead. But Shannon, Isley's live-in girlfriend, was nowhere to be found.
1: We understand that Derby is less than 20 miles away from Willington, Connecticut. What can you tell me, out to you Levi Page, CrimeOnline.com investigative
0: reporter, about Isley? Yeah, so he was an acquaintance of this attacker in high school. They had been friendly. And he went in there and shot him to death and then kidnapped his girlfriend.
1: You know, that's interesting to Dr. Bethany Marshall. Um, how people, I was just studying an article about it last night. What happens to you in grammar school and high school seemingly shapes the rest of your life. This is a guy Manfredonia knew from high school. Manfredonia is now in college, he's 23. He should be about to graduate in that double major at UConn. Why is he seeking out someone murdering them that he knew in high school?
5: Well, I'm wondering if the stalking victim is at the center of this entire story. And if Manfredonia imagined that this high school friend somehow had a relationship with a stalking victim. That's the only thing I could think about. I was reading the wires and I was thinking, why why a young man in Derby, how did he get drawn into this killing rampage when the perpetrator was really on the way to this girl that he'd become preoccupied with and he was stalking, and whom ostensibly he wanted to maim and he had a a weapon that was so crude and so primitive that he really wanted to do damage to her but he swerves away from her house and then goes on to Derby to somebody seemingly unrelated and what I would want to know is in the perpetrators mind did he believe that this 23 year old young man somehow was in a relationship with the stalking victim, did he believe that they were connected to each other, almost like a, a love triangle in his own
1: mind? To Ashley Wilcott, judge and trial lawyer, Anchor Court TV at AshleyWilcott.com. Ashley, is he seeking out people that he thinks has have wronged him? For instance, when Demers is murdered back, back in Willington, he's on his way. The only person he knows in that neighborhood is the girl, the woman. Who he's fix, who's he's fixated upon? He's got an obsession with her. Then he travels twenty miles away to a high school acquaintance and murders him, and kidnaps his girlfriend. I mean, what do you you're on the bench all the time? What does this smack of to you? I agree with Dr. Bethany Marshall. I think exactly that he had his
4: eye on the prize, so to speak, from his perspective, which was he had some beef with these people from his life. And he did what he had to do to get to those people. And he didn't care what he did along the way to get physically where he needed to get in the first neighborhood and then he just moved on and ended up shooting and killing a 23 year old high school friend and kidnapping his girlfriend. I absolutely believe if I were on the bench, that would be the argument of motive by the prosecutor.
1: You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner.
6: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. In a manhunt that spans four states, you already know of one elderly gentleman, hacked dead, another high school friend, shot dead, and a woman now missing, the girlfriend of the high school Acquaintance, Take a listen to our friends over at Inside Edition, Les Trent.
9: The murder spree began at the start of the Memorial Day weekend when Manfredonia allegedly butchered 62-year-old Ted Demers with a machete. Demers was a good Samaritan who was offering him a ride. That
5: cost him his life, unfortunately.
9: I spoke to Ted Demers' widow and daughter-in-law, Cindy and Molly Demers.
5: He always knew how to pull somebody out of you know, a difficult spot by making them laugh and making them happy. Um, He was a
9: huge presence.
5: He really was. He was a huge presence.
9: The next slaying victim was 23-year-old Nick Isel, a friend of Manfredonia's. Police say this was the second stop in that brutal crime spree. Nick Isle was upstairs with his girlfriend. Police say that he was brutally murdered, his girlfriend kidnapped. This neighbor lives downstairs.
1: Guys, by this time, of course... Please are going out by the family to turn yourself in. Uh, Apparently this guy had never been in trouble before. Take a listen now to our friends at WFSB three, a police presser where they are begging for Manfredonia to turn himself in.
10: My message is to Peter directly. Peter, we've talked to your family. We've talked to your friends and your roommates. All of them have said the same thing, that this behavior is out of the ordinary for you. We know this is not who you are. Peter, I want you to know that we are continuing our investigation. The one thing we are missing right now is you. We want you to be able to tell your story. We are here to listen to you. Your parents, your friends, all of us back here in Connecticut want a peaceful end to this. Your family has hired an attorney on your behalf, and your rights will be safeguarded. We are waiting to hear from you. We want to hear from you. Please call 911. Let us know where you are. We want to resolve this in a safe way. Please call us. We are, listen, we are waiting here to listen to you.
1: You know, I'm listening to what they are saying to Dr. Bethany Marshall. What do you make? of the plea for him to, Manfredoni, to end things
5: peacefully. I mean, is that even possible? I don't think it's possible at all. I think he's on a killing rampage at this point. Nancy, when I was listening to this, I was thinking about a patient in my Beverly Hills office um, in her 50s, lovely, professional, poised, calm, cool, collected. And whenever there's a school shooting, she says to me calmly, you know, I was, I was bullied when I was in high school. Sometimes I wish I could go kill the people who bullied me and it always seems to come from out of the blue but what we know from risk assessment for violence is that this might be similar to a school shooting or a workplace shooting where what you see is that the person feels they're what we call injustice collectors. They feel wronged by society. They feel that there's a power imbalance between them and other people. They imagine themselves to have been bullied and they have an ax to grind and they want to straighten everybody out who they perceive to have slighted or injured them along the way. And I think that's the nexus of all these victims, either a girl who refuses to date him, maybe a friend in high school who, I don't know, got a position on the football team that he didn't get, Um, people who he thinks were favored or got more than he did um, from the school teachers. But in this case, it turns homicidal. And back to your, your comment about the family for him to turn himself in peaceably, he's not going to. This is like a murder-suicide. He's going to go down trying to kill everybody around him who thinks has wronged him. That's going to be his M.O. The
1: hunt is on for Manfredonia. His M.O. is very difficult to discern because while his attacks seemingly are at random, people he doesn't know, there are also uh, targets he does know. He didn't know Ted Demers. He didn't know uh, Isley's girlfriend. Yet they were tangential, collateral damage, tangential to the targets he was focusing on. And then a firefighter steps in. Take a listen to WFSB. Elliot Polikoff.
8: Police in Duryea, Pennsylvania, then said a firefighter spotted a man with a large backpack on Tuesday night. When the firefighter asked the man who fit the description of Manfredonia, what he was doing, the man fled toward nearby railroad tracks. Then earlier today, another photo of Manfredonia, this time at a Sheets convenience store in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Police also reporting today that they had recovered a stolen black Hyundai Santa Fe that Manfredonia was believed to have been driving. Police also released surveillance video saying that Manfredonia had taken an Uber to Hagerstown, Maryland, where he remained at large until just over an hour ago. Connecticut State Police have announced that more information on Manfredonia's capture will be provided tomorrow. Hagerstown Police reported that Manfredonia was taken into custody by the U.S. Marshals and Washington County Sheriff's Office. There are also reports of a foot chase having taken place.
1: But how did
2: it go down? Here's John Limley, Crime Online. University of Connecticut student Peter Manfredonia is accused of killing two people and kidnapping another. The 23-year-old leads police on a six-day manhunt, stretching from Connecticut to Maryland. Police describe Manfredonia as being about six foot four inches tall and wearing red sneakers. On the night of Wednesday, May 27th, while being briefed on Manfredonia's description, an investigator points to a man of that height nearby, and the detective delivering the briefing notices his red sneakers. The side view profile of him also matches photos of Manfredonia. The man, wanted by cops across the country, is a mere 20 feet away. The team immediately goes to Manfredonia with guns drawn. They tell him to get on the ground. Manfredonia cooperates. He also willingly walks law enforcement about 200 yards away from the arrest site to a black bag with a weapon inside. A motive for the attacks is still unknown. The more we dig
1: into Manfredonia's background, the more questions there are. What we are learning right now is that Manfredonia was captured and is seemingly, quote, tired and confused, tired and scared. Manfredonia arrested at gunpoint near a Maryland truck stop. He is now a suspect in two homicides and multiple other crimes. But listen to what we learn about Manfredonia's thinking. Take a listen to our friends at Inside Edition.
8: Please surrender.
9: It's a heartfelt plea for a University of Connecticut senior to turn himself in before it's too late. 23-year-old Peter Manfredonia is on the run today, the subject of a nationwide manhunt photos obtained by Inside Edition reportedly show ominous scribblings on the wall of his former dorm room. We saw what happened when Adam snapped. Now they see what happens when I snap. That's believed to refer to Adam Lanza, the disturbed young man who slaughtered 26 people in the Sandy Hook massacre in 2012. Inside Edition obtained video of Manfredonia in his car taken four years ago. Now his family's lawyer is speaking out.
8: Peter, your parents, your sisters, your, your grandmother, your, your aunt, you know, they love you. Um, they want a, a safe conclusion to this.
1: Okay, we definitely need a shrink to Dr. Bethany Marshall. Inside his dorm room are found scribblings on the wall stating, look what happened when Adam Lanza snapped. See what will happen when I snap. Jump in.
5: This is beginning to form a pattern in my mind and one of the things we know about workplace shootings, school shootings, mass murder is usually the, the homicide is contemplated for some time before the perpetrator actually goes out and kills. We know that almost always they write about the crime either online, in a diary, um, they start emailing and texting people. The fact that he did it on his dorm room wall means he could have been in some kind of a manic state. I don't mean that that's an excuse for homicide, but he was a little disorganized in his attempts, meaning a machete, walking down a road, uh, riding on a dorm room wall, and then dazed and confused afterwards. And I am wondering if if they're saying he was depressed, was he put on some kind of a medication that also flipped him into a manic state. That's not uncommon for people who are depressed to be put on an antidepressant, and then that unleashes an, an underlying bipolar condition. But again, that wouldn't make him homicidal. It just means that this, this fits the right. MO of what we know about so many different shootings.
1: Right now, evaluations being done to determine his state of mind, his mental capacity, as the victim's families mourn. We wait as justice unfolds. Peter Manfredonia, behind bars. Nancy Grace, Crime
5: Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
1: Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner.
6: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
1: Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading.